0: As we have um, prepared and have been thinking through as a, as, a, as a team here at Birchridge, we've been talking about this idea of light. I've had this, this series on the, on the list or on the, in the plan since, since we got here, and um, having conversations with the team over the last few weeks as we've talked about this, it's like we're not talking about some general kind of like abstract idea of light, but we're talking specifically as we start this new series, the next three weeks we're going to be spending time in this, that we're talking specifically about, about the light of Christ, the light that was given to us at Christmas. The, the, the church over the, the last 2,000 years has had a certain rhythm that... Um, that the church has followed over the course of the year, and it moves, as we have, from, from Advent, right, this season of anticipation. We, we talked about the choosing Christmas and the work that God was wanting to do in us or inviting us to, to participate with him as he, as he transformed us or did a transforming work in us, this season of anticipation, and then, and then Christmas Right, The promise fulfilled, the thing that we'd been waiting for, the anticipation that we had had, this, this moment of Christmas and we celebrated on Christmas Eve, this, this idea of Christmas light that, that not only was it something that we saw but was, would, would change what we saw around us, would reveal the reality around us, that would invite us into a community, it would invite us to, to be a people of light. And then historically the, the church has moved into a season that after, the, after Christmas would move into a season called Epiphany. And that might be an unfamiliar term, except we would say, I just had an epiphany, right? I just had this, this kind of this thought that would, would change my perspective, this, this idea that kind of like gives light to uh, the, the things that I'm looking at in this moment. And so this season of epiphany, uh, it's, it's light, it's a, it's a recognition of the wise men. Actually, if you want to like trace the history of it, it's the, the wise men having journeyed following the star and then finding the Christ child. And so we talk of light and this idea of epiphany. These are these, these God-showing-up moments and, and, and showing up in light. And so we, we look at stories of, of when God met with his people and, and changed their perspective, when God met with his people and, and invited them to take some sort of next step. And so as a people, we celebrate this idea of light, not just light in this abstract kind of sense, but the light of Christ given to us at Christmas. Now for us, it's as if it's our moment to say, so what are we going to do about it, right? If light has been revealed to us, if Christ has shown up for us, then, then what do we do in response to that? The light of the world, Jesus Christ, speaking to his followers and Matthew 5 says this, the light of the world, right? He says this, you are the light of, of the world, right? What a radical statement. What, a, what an incredible statement for the one who would be, be known as light, right? This is Emmanuel, God with us, this one who brought light into the world, the, the hope that, that we find in Jesus Christ. He looks at the people who are following him, the, the people that he would then send out on mission. He says this, the, the light of the world speaking to those around him saying, now you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, they, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right, this is a process. This is a thing that, that as Jesus is speaking, he's saying this is what this journey is supposed to look like. It's a move from you were once on the outside. right? You were once outsiders and now you are full participants. You are people with a purpose that you were created to bear light. And so the question as, the, as this moment in history, as we start to recognize the weight of the moment that we have as, as the church, the here and now 2,000 years of, of Christian history to this moment, what are we going to do about it? What do we do with what's been given to us? We have been given light. And so this series, this series is a celebration of that specific light, the light of Christ in our lives, this, this, this light that was given, this, this life that came into the world through Jesus, that, that we move from anticipation to fulfillment at Christmas. But the question is, what do we do about it? to recognize that Christmas was not the finish line, right? For some of us, it's like there's so much anticipation and buildup and, and work and busyness and all these things and you get to Christmas and it's like, whew, made it, right? Got all the presents wrapped. We, somehow Amazon managed to get most of the things here on time for us and all of that. And it's like, whew, we made it. But the reality is it's, it's the starting line more than it's the finish line, right? It's not the finish line. It's, it's the, this, this happened, we, we are here, and now what do we do about it? And so this annual rhythm, this, this, this church year cycle of, of anticipation and, 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 and recognition of the promise fulfilled, and then the question, what do we do about it, right? Will we bear light as we are called to bear light? And so we're starting this week and the next, over the next two weeks, a total of three weeks, we'll be looking at this idea, this concept of, of light in our lives. And the first story that we're looking at is found in Acts chapter 10. It's the story of, of Peter and a man by the name of Cornelius. And this is a, a beautiful story because it has an epiphany moment. It's got, a, it's got light on both sides of the story, right? For, I think sometimes we, we have these, this sense that God is calling us to have a spiritual conversation and we have such fear because it's like, well, what will that person say? Right? How will they respond to, to what I'm being prompted to say that, that God is calling me to, to speak truth or speak life to, to someone, but, but how are they going to react? What are they going to do? How are they going to respond to this? Am I gonna come across as a weirdo? Is, you know, are they gonna laugh at me or are they gonna not wanna spend time with me? And what's beautiful about this story is God speaks to Peter and says, look, you need to go to this guy's house. You need to go speak the gospel, right? Tell him the story of, of what Jesus Christ has done. The, give him the rest of the story, and at the same time, God is preparing the household of Cornelius to, to receive the message that Peter was bringing to him. And so you have on both sides of this, this, this spiritual conversation, this, this clear picture that when God prompts us to have a spiritual conversation, he's already at work on the other side of the conversation too, to learn to trust what that looks like. And so here's Peter and Cornelius, they're, they're having this conversation, and now Peter shows up to Cornelius' household. Cornelius would have been considered an outsider in the church. He was a Gentile, he was not a Jewish person, he was not a person that that would have been thought of by the church as as someone who would be able to be in, right? And so this is the tension that Peter's having to go through, this whole journey that God brought him through to even get him to the point of his willingness to speak. But he shows up. And he goes and speaks to Cornelius and, and begins to have this conversation. And then in verse 34 of, of Acts chapter 10, it says, and then Peter began to speak. It literally is, and then Peter opened his mouth to speak, which is a, a phrase that's used in that time to, to say this is something that's, that's weighty, that has, has a specific sort of weight to it that he's going to say that he opened his mouth and spoke. And Peter says this, I now realize, right, epiphany moment. I now see this thing differently. I now realize how true it is that that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That Peter here is this guy who spent has at this point probably spent most of his life as a, as a, a follower of Jesus, as, as a person who's, who's, who's trying to do the right things by God, who's, who's trying to order his life around the things of Jesus to, to live out his mission. There's so much about Peter's life that has been kind of burned out of him or been transformed in him over the course of his journey with Jesus. But Peter, in many ways, is still learning. Peter, in many ways, is, is still having to, to see in front of him the things that God is trying to teach him. And so he says this, I... I now realize how true it is, right? It, he's saying, look, it wasn't that I disagreed with what God was saying. It wasn't that I disagreed with with kind of the, the concept that, that God is, is for every nation, that, that, that God is, is here to save, to reconcile the entire world to himself. It's, it's not that I didn't believe that was true. He's like, I just didn't realize how true it was because he's seeing it play out right in front of him. He's seeing these people that, that are coming into or being invited into the kingdom, that, that God did this, this transforming work in Peter and God did this inviting work in the household of Cornelius and, and Peter is in awe at what's happening. He says, I now realize just how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Right, which is 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 a shocking statement for a Jewish person to to have to to address this because for so much of their history that there had been this exceptionalism that was like, we are chosen by God, right? That this is this specific thing that that we're on the inside and there's all kinds of people on the outside. And for Peter, he's now having his eyes open and understanding that that the mission is as big as the mission that that Jesus gave him actually sounded like. He says, Go to the ends of the earth, right? I will be with you always, even to the very ends of the age making disciples of all nations. And now Peter, seeing this happening right in front of him. He says, now I realize. He's, he's speaking of the fact that he is still learning, that, that there's still a next step for him, that there's still an opportunity for Peter to level up. But he says he accepts, that God accepts from every nation the one who fears him, right? The one who has a, a holy reverence for God, this, this one who believes the, the right kinds of things about God, that, that understands God well enough to know that, that he is a fearful and awesome creature, right? He's, he's, he's something so wholly other that, that, that there is fear, there's this reverence that's associated with him. But the one who fears him and then does what's right, right? Believes rightly about God, but then responds in obedience to what God is calling him to do, right? This is what we've talked about here at Birchridge over the, over the last few months. We've talked about this idea of active faith where, where we believe something, where, where we can have this idea that this is true. We can understand intellectually in our heads that, that something is true, but then we take the next step and we say, so what do we do? What does it look like for us to be obedient to that truth, to not just believe it, but to actually live it out, to, to actually have faith applied to the act of living? And what Peter is saying in this first little statement here, in the first, first two verses of this passage, he's, he's, he's giving a, a glimpse of the big picture. Right? It's, it's in many ways the seed of, of, of what the rest of the story is going to play out like that, that Peter is, is speaking of this God who's on mission, who cares so deeply about people that, that he's, he's constantly expanding the kingdom, constantly pushing the boundaries further and further and further, seeking to include more and more and more people in that, that this whole thing started with this small group of people but then it works its way outward. right That it's like these these concentric circles, and, and Peter is seeing it, even as he's, he's giving the definition of, of what the mission is supposed to look like, that he's actually seeing it play out in front of him. And so Peter begins to speak. He's, he's meeting these, these people who are listening to him or who are seeking to understand more of the message of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. He begins with what they know. He meets them right where they're at. He begins with with what they already believe about God or what they've already heard about God. And he says, look, you know, verse 36, you know the message that that God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That is an all-encompassing kind of term. He's the Lord of all, right? That, That means he's the Lord of everything and everyone. And so you've heard. He's saying to these Gentiles that they would have, have as they've heard the stories, they've, they've heard that there is this God of the Jewish people, that, that the, the God of, of Israel who, who's powerful, who, who, who sent this, this Jesus Christ, who's, who's now understood to be the Lord of all. He says, you know that message that was sent to the people of Israel. And then he says in verse 37, he says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. He says, you know two things. You know know that God is on the side of Israel, right? You know that that, that God has sent Jesus Christ and then you've heard some of the story, right? You've heard that that John the Baptist was was going around and proclaiming that that the one who we have been waiting for was, was here, that was coming. And then you heard that there was this baptism, that you heard all these things, and, and so, Peter, so Peter is beginning to unpack and saying, here's, here's the story that you know. You know a significant part of the story, right? Your Christology, the, the, the reality of what you believe about Jesus in terms of being sent by God, the, 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 some of the stories that you've heard, some of the things that he did, that, that this whole story that has been kind of like spread as rumors and whispers and all these kinds of things, that, that you know this has happened. But Peter says, I'm here to tell you the rest of the story. I'm here to tell you that that there is more going on than than what you know. In verse 39, he says this, we, talking Peter and the people that, that Peter would have been in community with, he says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Peter says the rest of the story is the incredible part of the story, right? It's, 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 it's an incredible thing that, that God sent Jesus Christ. It's an incredible thing that, that Jesus did, the, the kinds of things that Jesus did, those, those rumors and whispers that you've heard about the, the mission that, that God was working through this person of Jesus. But Peter says there is so much more to the story. There's something so much more incredible than, than you can even imagine at this point, so incredible that there had to be witnesses that, that would be willing to lay down their lives, that, that would be willing to lay down everything that they had held dear." He said, we're going to go about telling this story because it changed everything. He says, we were witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ died a brutal death on the cross and then was raised again on the third day, right? That that the resurrection changes everything, that the entirety of the story, that the the redemption story, the mission that God is working through the person of Jesus Christ, that this this God on mission and made clear as the witnesses saw that he died and, and rose again, that he made a way through And then God caused him to be seen, right? Because witnesses matter, because our stories matter, because the the light that has been revealed to us, when when we allow it to do a transforming work in us, when we we allow ourselves to to be transformed by this this reality, this epiphany, this this story of Jesus that changes everything, that changes our perspective, that changes what we value, that all of a sudden then it begins to leak out, right? That all of a sudden light begins to shine through us as well. And this is what Peter is saying. He said, look, God created this plan, Right, that his mission has always been that people would experience and then they would bear light. That there would be witnesses who took their, their, their task seriously. He says in verse 41, he was not seen by all the people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. These are the people who, who got to experience the, the resurrected Jesus, not just this kind of figment of their imagination or, or this kind of like spectral being, this ghost that, that looked like Jesus but, but didn't have the bodily resurrection. He said, this was a person who, who ate with us, who we spent time with, who, who we got to, to walk with and talk with, and, and we saw him eat and drink, which is something that that's just a figment of our imagination or some kind of ghost that, that is, is shown back up again is, um, is incapable of doing. Peter says, this is what we saw. But there's something, As you, if you're a strategic thinker, if you're a person who, who says, well, how do we accomplish the mission that God has placed before us? For Peter and for those, those 11 that, that were with Jesus when, when he was sending them out on mission, when before he ascended into heaven and said, look, now go to the very ends of the earth. That, that the mission, or at least the plan, the strategy that, that God seemed to have, that, that Jesus was describing to the disciples seems so inadequate, right? Because he said he was, he was not seen by all the people, right, in verse 41, but, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. That if I was making the plan, it's like, couldn't we just show Jesus alive to everybody and then everybody would believe it, right, that, that mission accomplished. Now we, we get to see the resurrected Christ and we get to see him for ourselves and everybody gets to see him for themselves and there's, there's no argument about whether or not he's raised from the dead, that, that God just revealed it to everybody once and for all. But God had a different plan. He says, I want people to be a part of this. I want, I want people to hear stories that, that we're working for more than just information. We're going for transformation. That, that I'm going to work through witnesses that, that have seen this incredible truth, that have heard this incredible story, that, that the story has not just been something that they hear, but something that's actually changed them. For God to work through the power of a transformed life, to allow a tr- our transformed lives, to be the billboard and the, and the testimony that he uses to help other people see light. It's an incredible, an incredible plan. It seems on, on first read inadequate, but it's something more powerful than I think we can even imagine because we're still part of it today. That that, that little seed, the, those, those that had gathered, those that saw Jesus, those that ate and drank with him, they, they told their stories and other people got a glimpse of the light, right? And then, and then they told other people, and then they told other people, and then here we are in Soldatna, Alaska, 2,000 years later, still telling that same story, still celebrating that same story, still having hope, still having light because of the story that has been handed down to us. One transformed life after another, after another, after another. And this is what epiphany is. This is the way light works, the power of a transformed life and of a testimony. And then Peter continues in verse 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. He says that he sent us to preach, which would be to to competently proclaim the gospel, right? To to competently tell the story, to to help people see the, the, the story of Jesus clearly. And then he says to testify, right? to to act as a witness, to to take our tasks seriously, to to understand that it's about not just what we know, but it's what we've experienced. He says, to testify to what we've seen, to testify to what we've experienced, to to use not just knowledge of God to, to preach competently the gospel story, but to also use our stories to testify to what it means for us. And then Peter then goes and, and takes it one further step. In verse 43, he begins to talk about what the prophet said. He said, All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That Peter is saying it's not just what we experience. It's not just even what we currently experience as God continues to do a transforming work in us. It's, it's also a thing that's, that's expected because this is what God spoke through the prophets who, whose, whose writings have become our scripture. He's pointing to, to the, the, the scripture, not just Peter's opinion, not just his experience, but saying, look, it's, it's consistent, utterly consistent with the way God has revealed himself to us over the years as a people. And what it also gives us is a much better picture of the kind of judge that, that Jesus will be. Because there's that piece in verse 42 that, that God appointed him as judge of the living and the dead. But then in verse 43 that, that Peter describes, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name it gives a better picture of the kind of judge that we're talking about i think there's there's such fear in verse 42 i think in the last part of verse 42 where it's like and now we're talking about a judge right now we're talking about being weighed and 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 being tested and all these kinds of things and we look at this and and we approach jesus with a measure of fear because of that then peter says but let me tell you the kind of judge that we're talking about right that that there will be judgment we will give account for the way we live our lives we will stand before him But this is the one in in whose name we have forgiveness, the one who made a way for us, the the one who continues to invite us step by step by step to, to be ever more aligned with him. It's a better picture of the kind of judge that we're talking about, the kind of judge that Jesus will be. And in verse 44, as the, as the story continues, we, we see Peter says this, while, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the, circum, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, right? They're still learning that they can have the sense of, of this is what God's doing and, and, then, and then they have to see it for themselves, right? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That while Peter was, was still speaking, that there's this divine interruption, that, that Peter probably had time to think about what his message would be, and he probably had, I don't know if he had an iPad with the outline on it and all those kinds of things, but, but he had a plan for what he was going to present to Cornelius' household, right? That, that he was just getting started. I mean, if you look at the kind of the, the duration of what Peter's actually said, it's just like just a handful of sentences, as he speaks, God begins to move. As he speaks, and as as the household of Cornelius begins to lean in and listen, as 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 Peter begins to proclaim not just the not just the story of Jesus, not just the good news of Jesus, but the but the transformation, the story that, that that Jesus has worked in Peter's life, that the Holy Spirit begins to move the Holy Spirit begins to, to, to show right in front of him. It's this, this divine interruption that, that as, as Peter is speaking, that God is working, and, and people are being transformed, people are being invited in, they're being, they're being given the Holy Spirit. That Peter would, would give a report in Acts 11 as he's telling the story to others. He says, as I began to speak, right when I was just getting started, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in the beginning. Peter's saying, I didn't even have a chance to do this. In some ways, maybe even as Peter's giving the report, he's like, this was not something I did. I was not the one who made this happen. I was just getting started. Maybe I hadn't even gotten to the best part of the message I'd prepared, and all of a sudden, God starts to move. He says, I don't know what to do with this. We've got to figure out what this looks like, that that all of a sudden, the kingdom is even bigger than we thought, that that this this one idea of of, of this is for all nations, this is for all people, all of a sudden is, is playing out right in front of us. It's playing out right in front of Peter's eyes. The, the kingdom starts to expand. We see Peter move from just thinking about, thinking about what this could look like to actually seeing it. And then we see Peter, if he was a witness to what Jesus did, now he's getting to be a witness again to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Right, That he moves from, from thinking to seeing. And then Peter becomes a witness again to another incredible move of God. So the question is, what does Peter do about it? Right? If, if this has been done, if, if there has been light that's revealed, if, if there's a, a story, this epiphany moment, this moment that changes what comes after it, if that happened, then, then what does Peter do? In verse 47, then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then, then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Right, probably some significant discipleship conversations that were happening, creating a foundation, moving forward, saying, we don't just want to be baptized, we want to, we want to start this growth trajectory, we want to get a foundation for the, the future to, 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 to be all that God has called us to be, or all that he's invited us to be. For them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ meant that they were in. Right? This was the invitation, not just to, to, to follow Jesus, but, but to the church, and so for peter this is a radical moment this is a moment when when it's it's moving from we we think that this is for all nations or we at least heard jesus say that this is for all people but but now we're having to make some decisions about what this actually looks like i'm going to have to have the courage to to actually baptize them to welcome them in to the church it's a welcome to the family kind of celebration and then peter as he's unpacking this as he's telling this story as his as his story is playing out it's it's him saying so if if God sent his spirit to them. Right, if Jesus Christ said, behold, I will be with you always, and I will send this helper. That If, 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 if God did that, Peter says, then, then who are we to treat them as outsiders? Right? If God has invited them in, if God has decided and shown us that they're insiders, then, then who are we to define them or decide that they're outsiders? This is a community that's defined by the light of Christ, that's made evident in the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives that, that Peter says, this is light at work in my life and light at work in their lives. Who are we to stand in the way? Who are we to call them outsiders when God has shown that they are insiders? A community defined by the light of Christ. And so this morning, 2,000 years later, in Soldatna, Alaska, we are invited to be defined by that same thing, to be a community defined by the light of Christ. And it's a process that that, that God takes us through. It's a process, a journey that that God works as as he invites us step by step through. And it starts with this. It, It starts with the light of Christ seeks us out, or seeking us out. The light of Christ seeks us out, which means that it wasn't a decision that we made, right? It wasn't something that we initiated. This has always been a God-initiated thing that, that God calls us to himself, that God begins to prompt us, begins to open our eyes to certain things that, 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 that move us forward, that he invites us to himself, that the light of Christ seeks us out, that while we were still in darkness, light dawned, right? That, that, that what Peter saw in the household of Cornelius, that, that God said, would you invite Peter to come and speak? Would you invite Peter to come and show you the way and God working on the side of Peter showing that that the light of Christ sought Peter out too and saying this is what this is what I'm trying to accomplish do you want to get in on it or not and so we see this this light of Christ seeking us out and that means that that no matter where we are this morning on our spiritual journey no matter how far we think we are away no matter how many mistakes we've made no matter what it is that that we've done that thinks that we're that makes us think that we're disqualified the light of Christ is seeking you out. He's making a way for you. And that's a beautiful picture, a beautiful reality that's, 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 that's true. Right? This is the way it works. It doesn't matter how far off you are. Your next step can be the next step or the step in the right direction. But the light of Christ seeks us out. The light of Christ invites us to connect. Right? That's to connect with him, to say that, that there is this invitation, just like we talked about on Christmas Eve, about the, the, the shepherds having, having been invited to connect with this Christ child, to be invited from the out, from bring outsiders to insiders. The light of Christ is an invitation to connect, to connect with the God of the universe who loves you so much. He's, 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 he's over all things. And yet he cares so much about you that, that his light seeks you out. That the light of Christ invites us to connect with God and to, to, to connect with, with each other, right? To be a people, to be a community that's, that's defined by the light of Christ, that's, that's, that's oriented around the light of Christ, that's, that's drawn to the light of Christ. I think there's this picture that, that's worth us kind of capturing for us as a church as we talk about what this looks like as we move forward. To, to understand the light of Christ, I think often we, we think, especially you talk of the, the judgment picture and those things, that, that we see the light of Christ almost like a searchlight, looking for all the things in our lives that we've done wrong. looking for all the reasons why we can't move forward, looking for all the reasons to disqualify us. And and so we have this this fear of the light that that in some ways we'd rather dwell in darkness than have to be exposed by that kind of light. I think a better picture, I think a better picture and one that as a church we can spend the rest of our lives figuring out how this plays out in our community to to look at what it looks like for us to, to not see the light of Christ like a searchlight looking for all the things that we've done wrong or for all the things that disqualify us, but to think of it like a campfire or a bonfire that we're sitting around as friends talking and sharing our stories and, and being invited in right? to have conversations of significance to have conversations where we're part of a community where, where we're welcomed in where there's, there's hard conversations and there's things that are going to have to be dealt with and all those kinds of things but, but it's not the searchlight, it's not the, the spotlight that's pointing out all the things we're missing but it's, it's a campfire with friends. Right? It's a conversation it's what our small groups look like it's what, it's what this community as a church should look like the light of Christ invites us to connect the light of Christ changes us that's the light at work in us that that there's that there's darkness in us there's things that, that do not belong that are incompatible or incongruent with with the light that that when the light shows up it drives out darkness and that's transformation right that's transformative for us that that when light dawns in our lives that that the light of Christ as it's at work in our lives is going to reveal things it's going to show things that that, that, that don't that don't belong. And so the question is, are we going to let God deal with this? Are we going to let the light of Christ be a transforming work in us that, that we look at this and we say, God, I trust you and, and it's going to be painful and there's going to be things I'm going to have to let go of and there's things that, that I'm, you're going to have to, to, to pry off of me that, that have a grip on me, but, but I'm willing to let the light do its work, right? to let the light of Christ change us. And then the light of Christ shines through us. That as God has invited us in, as, as God has, has invited us to connect, as, as God has done a transforming work in us, all of a sudden we find that, that we start to live differently, right? That, that light starts to shine through us, that our conversations are different, the way that we parent is different, the, the way that we, that, we, that we relate to our spouse potentially is different because of the light that's at work in us. That we're leaving the evidence that, that's, relate, that's related to the witness that we have of the light in, in the conversations that we have, in the places and spaces that we live our faith out that the light of christ shines through us then there's a piece that for me this was the kind of the epiphany for me in this passage in, in in the preparation process is is that the light of christ drives our mission that the light of christ drives our mission and this is when you look at the last part of the passage where peter says who would stand in the way of this right? Who would possibly stand in the way of this move that God is doing? Who would possibly stop these people from, 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 from taking that next step or, or for Peter even as he's, as he's speaking and he has the things that he wants to say and he's got his message prepared and, and he's ready to speak and all of a sudden there's this divine interruption that, that Peter embraces the divine interruption. Peter says, it's okay that I didn't get to say everything that I wanted to say, right? It's okay that, that this didn't go exactly like I had planned because all of a sudden God began to move and I want in on that. And so this divine interruption, this, this, this lack of concern about interruption and then this, this embracing of, of the other saying, I'm not going to stand in the way of what God's doing. To say that the light It doesn't. It's it's, it's as if this this mentality shifts not just from us kind of like happening to 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 bear light as we go about that it's it's not just that we're that we're leaving maybe not even intentionally leaving the light of Christ that our conversations are differently are, are different that that we're marked by this transformation, but all of a sudden we're actually driven. Right? We're actually driven by the light of Christ. That that, it, that it's it, it's not just this passive reality that we happen to be people who follow Jesus. That that, that changes that changes the way we live. But then that rubs off on people around us. But it actually becomes our way of living. That we say, where is there light that's dawning, right? Where is there the, this, this glimmer of Christ's light at work in the darkness? How do we get in on this? And we chase it and we run after it and we, we do everything we can to participate in the light breaking in the, in the world around us. For us to be a people of light, for us to, to be a people who are, who are unsatisfied with, with just making it about ourselves, but to say, what is it that God's trying to do and how do we get in on that? That we move, that we move from from fearing the light, living in darkness, to letting the light do its work in us, right? To invite us in, to, to change us, and then to drive us in a powerful kind of way, in a purposeful kind of way. To say, we're not worried about the interruptions because the interruptions are right where we want to spend our time. That if God is going to surprise us and if God is going to show up, then, then we want in on that. And if, and if God is going to invite people in, if, if light is dawning in someone's life, we want to do everything we can to be on it. That we're, that we're obsessed with the light of Christ, that we want to be a part of it in every way that we can possibly be a part of it. To take that kind of shift to say, this is what the light of Christ does in us. To, to move beyond that. For us as a people, for us as a church, to be marked by that kind of mission. It's what God's inviting us to. This is what light looks like. This is why our stories matter. This is why it matters that we, that we take the next step and the next step and the next step. So as the band comes and we're going to close in song, I don't know, for some of us, it might be that, that we still need that light to be revealed to us. right? To understand who we actually are, to understand how God sees us. That we're maybe spending our time thinking that we're, we're so broken that, that God would never want to have anything to do with us. That the message this morning played out as Peter works, with the, works and tells his story in the, in the household of Cornelius is, is that there are not outsiders, right? There is an invitation to come in to the light, light revealed to us. That there is an invitation for those of us who are still in need of that light to do its work in us. That the light is not a fearful thing. Right? It's not a thing that, that, should, that, that should make us feel like we're distant from God, but it's an invitation to take the next step closer and closer and closer to him. And then for God to shine his light through us, for us to, to allow God to use our stories to, to make a difference in the world around us, to be a people who, who, who let the light shine and then who give ourselves to the mission of the light, to say we will be a people of light. We will be defined by this. This will not be something on the periphery of our lives, but we're in And if the light is dawning, if there's a glimmer, if there is hope, we want in on it. God's going to use that in powerful kinds of ways as, as he works in us and through us to transform this community. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for your light. God, thank you for the invitation. God, thank you for the way you meet us right where we are and invite us to take the next step and the next step and the next step. God, I pray that we would be a people of light, that we would bring hope to the world around us. God, that we wouldn't be afraid to share our stories. God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that, God, you would use them for your glory. God, that, that we would be faithful in this moment, in our moment, in the, in the history and the story of the church. God, that we would be able to stand with those who have gone before us and say we are a people of light. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.